Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're gonna hear some practical teaching from God's word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the giving tab and choose online campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today. and We hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. If you're joining us from another region in the United States or another part of the world, it is pretty cold here in Indiana. You guys pretty chilly? All right, I'm going to try to warm you up today. Hopefully that coffee, that brand that, that we brought the coffee back, hopefully that gets some, some of that heat going. Well, welcome to Emmanuel. If this is your first time, you're a guest, you're joining us online for the first time, or at one of our campuses, our Banta campus, Franklin, Garfield Park, or here at Greenwood, can we give it up for our first timers? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Danny. Super special welcome to you. And if you're not new, if you're, uh, you know, welcome back. So, uh, so uh, yeah, hey, what's going on? How you doing? All right. Um, hey, we're going to talk about something very special. It's one of my favorite topics. That's why I talk about it once every four years, okay? So we're going to talk about voting and politics today. But before I get there, I want to address uh, a bit of a serious matter. This yesterday, I got a call from uh, one of our one of our families at the our Banta campus, the Williams family, that uh, is going through a tragedy uh, right now. If you haven't heard about it, you probably will in the next few days. It'll it's already in the news in New York. Uh, the Williams family, um, their son Ethan went to New York City for fall break on a school project to do some filming. Uh, he's a student at IU. And uh, he was tragically shot in the chest and killed this weekend. Um, and so um, we are supporting the Williams family. Uh, Jason is, is the dad, Susan is the mom, and we've surrounded them with love and support. We're trying to help them out as much as we possibly can to get their son's body back to Indiana. And we've just been praying for them, supporting them, and uh, they're, they're a dear fam family to us here at, at Emmanuel at our Banta campus. And I just want to come together. I want you to be aware of what's going on, and we'll, we'll try to give updates as much as we can. You can check the news. But I just want to collectively, as a family, just go to the Lord in prayer and lift them up. Can we do that together? Heavenly Father, our hearts are, are heavy this weekend for our our precious brother and sister, Jason and Susan, the mom and dad of Ethan, and for their other children and for the entire family, as they have lost their son in a tragic, pointless shooting. Father, I'm, I just pray right now that in a supernatural way, you would comfort them, that you'd wrap your arms around the entire family, mom, dad, brother, sister, grandma, grandpas, and let them know that they're going to see their son again. They're going to see their brother again. They're going to see their grandson again. Because Ethan is now with you in heaven. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you, you conquered sin. You conquered death. You told us plainly that whoever believes in you will never die. And we know that Ethan is with you. And we rejoice in that. Even though our hearts are heavy. And our hearts are broken. So I pray, God, that you would just 
supernaturally, once again, give strength and comfort to the Williams family as they walk through this time of tragedy. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. We'll, be, we'll continue to pray for the Williams family and try to give updates as we go. <clears throat> so today, today I want to talk to you about voting. I want to talk to you about politics. And here's what I can uh, assure you. When my talk is over today, you are going to have absolute clarity on who to vote for. I mean, you're going to walk into that voting booth on November 3rd. You're going to be like with total confidence. Boom, 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 boom. You're going to walk out and it's like, my pastor got me prepared. I know who to vote for. Slam dunk. Um, actually, no, I'm not going to do that at all. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not going to tell you what side to pick. I'm not going to do that whatsoever. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about the anxiety levels that we're all experiencing right now, the frustration levels, maybe the anger levels that we're experiencing. And I want to try to speak to that, and I want to try to maybe relieve some of that and suppress some of that. You know, 2020 has been an extraordinary year, don't you think? I mean, it started out so great. Does anybody remember January? January 2020, you know, the beginning of a new year, the beginning of a new decade. Man, it was so exciting. I get excited in January anyway, but at the start of a new decade, oh my gosh, it's like 10 years. How many new decades do you get to start? I mean, not that many. I mean, you know, maybe eight or seven or whatever. And so I was super pumped. Do you remember when Pastor Cody started us off? This January, remember the talk that he gave? It was riveting. It was inspiring. It was motivating. If you forgot, this was the title of Pastor Cody's talk, The Power of a Decade. Oh, yes. I mean, when he brought this beard out, January 1, I mean, I was like, man, that's something that you would see in like a William Wallace movie or, you know, like Braveheart, you know? Remember Braveheart's buddy, the Irish guy with the red hair? I mean, isn't that Cody? I mean, you just want to, you just, just want to like throw a javelin or slash somebody open with a sword with that beard, right? I mean, you got to be a man's man to grow something like that. Cody, you going to bring it back this year? Probably not. <laughs> I can't grow a beard like that. But anyway, he, Cody, I mean, he just, he just had, he said, man, the next 10 years can be, you can do so much in 10 years with your life. And it was so exciting and, and we're all motivated and pumped up and jazzed, maybe not jazzed, but, but motivated. And, and then all of a sudden March hits, plague, plague. When have we ever experienced a plague before? Never? You know, and COVID-19 hits and, you know, the, the, the economy shuts down and people can't go to work and students can't go to school and we're all in our houses. It's like, what the? This is crazy. And then we're going through that and all of a sudden this racial unrest kind of erupts and all this racial tension and protests and, 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 and violence and looting. And, and it's like, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden it's time to elect a president on top of all of that. You know, every election cycle... People say that the, the, the political language get, just gets more and more vicious and more and more tense, and we say that every four years. And it's been said again, and, 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 and I think it's actually true this time. It's even more vicious. It's, it's even more hateful. And I think it's because of all of the anxiety and tension that has been building because of COVID and the racial stuff and all this stuff going on, and then we have to elect a president. I want to speak to the anxiety level today. Because, man, these two, these two candidates, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not going to try to persuade anybody to go right or left or anything like that, but these two candidates are doing a phenomenal job. I mean an expert job in scaring the hell out of everybody. 
did you, did you, listen, did, did you watch the last debate? I mean, one guy saying, if you vote for him, he's going to shut the economy down and everyone's going to lose their job and all the businesses are going to shut and you're going to have to stand in line to get, stand in line to get government cheese and all this stuff and the world's going to end if you vote for him. And then the other guy says, if you vote for him, he's going to take everybody's mask off and everybody's going to get COVID and millions of people are going to die and everyone's going to die. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, okay, so if I vote for him, everybody dies. And if I vote for, vote for you, everybody dies. Like, I'm, we're, we're screwed. Like, what, what are we going to do? You know, and, and so here's why they're doing that. Here's why they're doing that. It's because fear, fear is such a powerful tool. Fear is such a, it moves people and they know that and that's why they're using fear to get you to vote. In your notes, it's a specific kind of fear. It's, it's the fear of the un- unknown. If you vote for him, what will happen? If you vote for him, what will happen? <gasps> what will happen? What will happen? What will happen to our country? Now, I'm not going to say anything today that's going to change your vote. I don't even want to do that. That's not even the purpose of this talk. I know myself, I can't say anything or do anything to change the outcome of this election or the elections or the people underneath the presidents and the local, the local races and all that stuff. I can't say anything to change the outcome. Indiana is not even a swing state. Now, I think you all should vote. We do, and especially for the, for the smaller races underneath the presidency, but Indiana is not going to really influence the presidency. So that's not even the point of this talk. The point of this talk is to, is to speak to what's going on inside your heart. In, in fact, to speak to what's going on inside my heart, like I wrote this talk for myself, to lower the levels of anxiety in my heart, because fear is such a powerful, powerful concept. I kind of live by this truth, which is a hybrid of what some really old dead guys have said, and I put it together and made it my own statement, okay? So here we go, check this out. If you can't change the circumstances, you can always change your perspective. I live by that. Like, is this something I can do something about? If not, then I have to change my view of it. I have to change my attitude. If it's not gonna change, If I can't change it, then I'm going to change my, because right now I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be frustrated. I don't want to fight. I want to be chill. I want to have peace. I want to have joy. So I have to alter my perspective. I'm going to offer you four thoughts that have helped me to alter my perspective. Hopefully they'll help you. Okay, that's really the point of this talk. Now I'm talking to Christ followers today. So if you're not a Christ follower, you're not a disciple, you wouldn't say that you're a Christian, this is some thoughts that you would have to consider should you choose to cross that line of faith. But today my message is to Christ followers. And I think it's gonna be helpful. The first thing I would say to you today to lower the levels of anxiety in your heart concerning politics or the current political cult, uh, uh, culture is to remember your first allegiance. Remember your first allegiance. Remember your first loyalty, we could say it that way. See, when Jesus was on his way to the cross, he was going through these different, uh, basically, trials. And they were not organized, and they were, most of them were illegal. But he stands before Pilate, <clears throat> and Pilate, who was the uh, leader of that time in, the, in Rome, the representative there, he says to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews or not? And Jesus says, well, who's asking? Are you asking? Are the people asking? And Pilate says, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking. It's the people. They're, they want to know if you're a king or whatever. And, and so Jesus' response is so insightful. Check this out. John chapter 18, verse 36. He says, my kingdom, notice the capital K. My kingdom is not an earthly lowercase 
K. What is Jesus saying here? In fact, I am a king. You asked me if I was a king. Yes, the answer is yes. But my kingdom is not of this world. I didn't come to set up the kingdom of Israel. I didn't come to set up the kingdom of the USA or the kingdom of the Soviet or the Russia or, or Iran. I didn't come to set up an earthly kingdom. That's what Jesus says. If it was an earthly kingdom, my followers, who would be who? Me and you and the disciples that are alive today, the disciples that were alive back then, if my kingdom were an earthly kingdom, if it were a political kingdom, then my, then my followers would, say it with me, they would, they would fight. What would they fight to do? To keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. They would fight to get me elected to a position of political power so I could set up my earthly kingdom. But that's not the type of kingdom that I came to set up. My kingdom is not of this world. See, Jesus is a king, and his followers are to follow him and to fight for the kingdom, but it's not an earthly kingdom. See, as Christ followers, as disciples, our first allegiance is to an unseen reality called the kingdom of God. We talk a lot about that here. It's the place where God reigns, God rules. It's the place where God is doing things. Our very prayer is supposed to be, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is that? It's the effective range of God's will. It's God bringing mercy and justice to this earth as it is done in heaven. That's where we're supposed to live. Our first allegiance is to that kingdom. Our second allegiance is to the United States of America if we are citizens. Or if we were living in China, our second allegiance would be to the government of China. Or if we were living in Iran, to, to uh, the Iranian government. Or whatever country we were living in, because there are Christ followers all over the world. There are 195 nations in the world today. We are just one nation. And there are Christians all over this world. And their allegiance is first to the kingdom of God and then secondly to the nation that they live in. Is this making sense? Jesus, was, Jesus said, if your first allegiance was to an earthly kingdom, you would fight for Jesus to become a political leader. But instead, he gave his life on the cross. And he died for the sins of humanity to usher in the kingdom of God. Is this making sense? The Apostle Paul said it plainly like this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But we are citizens of, say it with me, Heaven. Are we citizens of the United States? Absolutely. If we were in Russia, we would say, are we citizens of Russia? We'd say, absolutely. But, but that's our secondary citizenship. Our primary citizenship, our primary loyalty, our primary allegiance is to the kingdom of God, where we wait for where the Lord Jesus lives. And we eagerly are waiting for him to return as our savior. Now, what's he gonna do when he returns? When he comes back, we're supposed to be eagerly waiting for him, like you would eagerly wait for your birthday or eagerly wait for Christmas presents or Christmas to come or eagerly await for you know, the, the cruise to come that, when you're, that you're waiting for. We're to be eagerly awaiting for his return. Why? What is he going to do? When he comes, he's going to turn his unseen kingdom into a seen kingdom. And all the nations, USA, Russia, Iran, Israel, all the kingdoms of the earth will go away. And God's kingdom, the only kingdom that is currently an unseen kingdom, will become a seen kingdom, and it will last forever. And our first allegiance is to that kingdom. Now, with that kind of theology in mind, how do you engage in the current political system? Relaxed. Because it's not going to be here forever. Right? Now, I wrote this sermon for me. You calm down. Who's the, next president's gonna, who's the next president gonna be? Oh my gosh, chillax, chill out. 
The United States of America will be here for a while, then it'll be gone, and Jesus will return and bring his eternal kingdom, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Anybody else excited about that? Does that bring peace to anybody else? So, so what, what, is, what, what is the point of this talk? This point is to lo- the point of this talk is to lower the anxiety. Chill out. Relax. Do not put your hope, don't put too much hope in a political person, a president, whether it's this guy or this guy, a red guy, a blue guy. Come on. Come on. Relax. That's my first point. My second point is don't lose influence. Don't lose influence. See, God is telling a story, like the purpose of existence, okay? The reason that we are here rather than not being here is because there's a purpose. There's a story that God is telling. And that story started in the Garden of Eden and continues on today. And what is that story? That story is the story of the kingdom of God becoming available to people so that they can live in it with God and experience peace and joy, fulfillment, satisfaction, purpose, and meaning. That's the story. That's the main story that's going on in the world today. When Paul was preaching in Acts chapter 17, he was giving a little mini-sermon to a group of people in a city called Athens. And I want to show you two little snippets from that fantastic sermon that he gave. Watch what Paul says here. He tells the whole story. He says, from, from one man, that is Adam in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, from one man, he created the nations throughout the whole earth. So from the Garden of Eden, we now have all of the nations. Today, we have 195 nations in the world. They all came from Adam and Eve in the Garden. God decided beforehand when they should rise and when they should fall, because not all nations last forever. Remember the Roman Empire? It's power, most powerful empire in the world. It's gone, right? Remember the Soviet Union? It's gone, right? Like nations rise and nations fall. God decides when they rise and when they fall, and he determines their boundary. Where, how far do they go before another country, before, their, before another nation starts? Okay? Thank you, Paul, for the explanation of why there is something rather than nothing, why there are people rather than not people, why there are nations rather than not nations. What's the purpose, Paul? Watch this. His purpose was for the nations, not the nations like, like the nations like, hey, that's the, that's the Russia, this is the U.S., this is what, not, but the people in the nations, me and you, and the people living in other countries, that the nations would, watch this, seek after God and perhaps, perhaps feel their way toward him and say with me, find him. He's not far from any, and by the way, he is not far from any one of us. Wow. This is the purpose of existence. The reason why the nations exist, 195 of them today, is so that inside those nations, people would have an opportunity to seek and feel their way towards God and maybe even find him. What's interesting about this language is the word feel means to touch. It means to to grab a hold of with your fingers. It's like you and I are in a room and it's dark and, and we can't see where the light is. And so what do we do? We put our hand on the wall and we feel our way towards the light switch. We can't see it. Oh, then all of a sudden we find it. We flip it on. That's what this word means. To feel your way towards God and find him. See, the purpose of existence is for people to be reconciled to God. 
to find God. Why? Because God is who you need. God is who I need. Listen, in God, in God, there is joy. There is happiness. There is satisfaction. There is the fulfillment of all of your desires. There is wisdom. In God, there is purpose. There is meaning. In Christ, there is treasure. Like Jesus tried to talk this language. He said like the kingdom is like a man who finds a treasure hidden in the field and he goes off and he sells all of his possessions so he can get the money and come back and buy that field. Why? Because the kingdom, that's the kingdom. That's how valuable it is. Like the whole point of the nations, all 195 of them, the good ones, the bad ones, the ones with good leaders, the one with bad leaders, the one with good governmental systems, the one with bad government, the ones with bad governmental systems, the whole point of them is for people to find God. That's the story that you and I find ourselves into, and we've got to remember that. That's the primary story. Paul said this to a group of Christians in Corinth, and he says it to you and I today. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling. What does that word reconcile mean? To bring back two parties that were separated, to, to, to bring union to them. God and man bringing them back together, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting their sins against them. That's why Christ went to the cross, amen? He died on the cross so that we wouldn't have to pay for our own sins. Jesus pays the debt, he cancels the penalty so that we can step into life with him. And then Paul says this, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Like, how is this message going to get out to the world? How is this story going to be told? It's going to be told through preachers like me and people like you. Paul says this, and so we are Christ's ambassadors. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative of a country and goes into another country to give the message to another country from his own country. I know that was a lot, but basically they're a representative. And they've got a message. And Paul says, you and I are ambassadors to the United States of America because that's where we live. This isn't our true home. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we come to the United States of America and we bring a message. And it's a message of reconciliation. And Paul says it very simply like this. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's why at this church we call it the relentless pursuit. We are pursuing our friends, our family members, our coworkers who've written off God as boring, judgmental, irrelevant, right? This is the message. We are on a relentless pursuit. And here's what we're saying. Would you come back to God? Would you place your faith in Christ? Would you be reconciled to God? Folks, that's the story. The story is not about America. It's not about this country being great. Now this country's great, and I'm so thankful I live here, and I happen to think that the United States of America is the greatest country in the world. I believe that with all my heart. But the story that you and I find ourselves living in is not about making this country great. In fact, I'll say this, and this is a hard pill to swallow, and if you wanna email me later, you can. We can talk about this. But if you find yourself as a Christian in the United States of America carrying a heavier burden for the condition of the United States of America than you do about your lost friends, parents, kids, children who are far from God, if you care more about America than your family members or friends going to hell and spending eternity apart from God, you might have moved away from Christianity to internationalism. Beware 
Beware. Your first allegiance is not to America. Your first allegiance as a Christian, here, hear me now, as a citizen of heaven, is to the story that God is telling. Do not commit idolatry with your country. Do not put the secondary story as the primary story in your life. If you do, you've moved away from the central message of Christianity into something else called nationalism. And it is wrong. And here's what I'm telling you. Unbelievers who are watching Christians become way too political and way too passionate about who they're going to vote for and why, here's what they say. They look at us and they go, you guys are using your religion to get your guy voted in. I want nothing to do with Christianity. It is a political ploy. And so they back away from Christ because you're too passionate about politics. We, we have to protect our influence as we engage in the political process. Is this making sense? Do not engage in the political process in a way that discredits your message. So, again, I wrote this message for me because I get passionate about politics sometimes. In fact, the other night I was laying in bed and I said, honey, I'm leaving the ministry. I'm running for office. I've had it. I've had it. I'm done. Did I not say that? I said, I hope you're ready to get into politics because I'm going all in. You know, I had a moment of weakness there. I forgot the bigger story. I got caught up. You know, I have convictions politically and sometimes I just want to explode. Anybody else? But I can't do that. I can't do that because it's not the primary story that God is telling in the world today. Okay? Again, I wrote this sermon for me. So number one, what are we, do, what are we doing? We're remembering our first allegiance. Number two, we're protecting our influence. Number three, this is so powerful. We've got to trust God. This is so cliche, but really, we really have to trust God. Why? This is what Paul said in Romans chapter 13. Watch this. So powerful. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities. Now, this is to Christians in China communist country. This is to Christians in Iran, totalitarian government. This is to Christians in, the, in Russia. This, is to, this isn't just to the United States. In fact, when he wrote this, he wasn't writing it to people in the United States. He's writing it to people under the Roman rule when Nero was in charge. Nero was a corrupt emperor of Rome. In fact, he would, he would take Christians and he would put them inside of animal skins and feed them to lions. He would take Christians and dip them into tar and light them on fire and they'd become human torches. This, this is who he's writing to at that time. He says, everyone must submit to the governing authorities for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. What is he saying? Man, it's like, sometimes I read this and like, Paul, what were you smoking when you wrote that? Have you ever heard of Adolf Hitler? Have you ever heard of Joseph Stalin? Have you ever heard of these? Obviously he didn't because, anyway, but, but my point is like, how could he write that? There's very, 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 very bad people at the top sometimes. And you're saying that God placed them there? Yes. You say, how's that work? Here's how it works. God is either sovereign or he's not. He's either in control of all of the nations or he's not. Now, if he's not, we should all be freaking out. Okay? And I'd be the first one to run the freak out party. Let's all freak out together because God has lost control and there's crazy people at the top and, and it's all over. Okay? But that's not the case. Paul says God is sovereign over the nations. And there's not a leader in place that he has not allowed to be there or placed there himself. What does that mean about our next president? It means that God, whoever it is, whether it's the blue guy or the red guy, is going to be placed there by God. So what does that mean for me and you? Trust. The world's not going to end. 
Christianity can thrive under any governmental system. Did you know that Christianity right now is exploding in communist China? There are 100 million Christians in China right now. 70 million of them are meeting illegally in something called house churches. Did you know that the communist government in China is trying to shut down those house churches? But they cannot because the more they try to shut them down, the more it spreads. Did you know that Christianity tends to thrive more under persecution than freedom? Christianity can thrive under communism, socialism, totalitarianism, governmental monarchies, democracy. It's not about the system. Of course, we want to protect democracy, and I'm all all for that. I think it's the best system. But when we're talking about the larger story, if the larger story is the primary story, and if our allegiance is to the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of man, listen, we should be concerned about the type of system we have, but not overly concerned because the story of the gospel will go on under any system. Is this making sense? We've got to trust God. We've got to trust God. Let me give you this fourth thought. This, again, this is for me. We need to pray. Sounds cliche. It really does. Oh, pray, really? Come on, is that all you got? No, listen, listen. This is really good stuff. I'm not making this up. We really have to pray about this deal. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy, a little letter that he wrote to his young protege, he's discipling Timothy. Paul says this, I urge you first of all to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. And then he switches to the government leaders. Watch this. Again, the leaders back then were bad dudes. Pray this way for kings and for all in authority. What? Ask God to help them, thank God for them, Assist them. God, would you help these guys? They don't know what they're doing, right? They're corrupt. They're mean, whatever. Why, why should we pray for them? Here's, this, is, this is fascinating. So that you and I can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Whoa. <laughs> think she said Amen. Paul says, Paul says, pray because you are going to be the beneficiary. Paul says, if you want a great quality of life, if you want to live a peaceful and quiet life, then you need to pray for your leaders. There's a connection. God answers the prayers. The quality of your life is determined by how much you pray for your leaders. Uh-oh. Wait, wait a second. We, we, we tend to think that the quality of our life depends on the quality of our leaders. Now you're saying the quality of my life depends on the quality of my prayers? Oh, that puts the responsibility on me. I don't like that. Isn't it funny how no one wants to take personal responsibility anymore? We think that elected officials are going to make our lives better. What are you smoking? (laughs) Our lives get better when we make different choices. Paul says... When you pray for your leaders, God works in their life, then you have a peaceful, then your country avoids anarchy or revolution or outbreaks of murder and shootings. I mentioned Ethan this morning. He died in Brooklyn. I grew up in Staten Island. Do you know that Staten Island, the night that Ethan died, Friday night, Saturday morning, Staten Island was the, Staten Island was the only borough that did not have a shooting in New York City that night. There was a shooting in Manhattan, there was a shooting in the Bronx, there was a shooting in Queens, there was a shooting in Brooklyn where Ethan died. Staten Island was the only place that didn't have a shooting. 
And Chicago is much worse. We are not experiencing peaceful and quiet lives. What we want to do is blame the leader. It's the president's fault. It's Congress. It's the governors. It's the mayors. It's the people. It's the, okay, okay. When are the people going to take responsibility? Because Paul says when you pray for your leaders, then you will have. He doesn't say go and elect the right people and the right people will create the right policies and systems and then you'll have peaceful and quiet lives. No, he says you pray. You pray. And the country that you live in will not be run over by anarchy and revolution and civil war and all these different things going on. Where does Paul get this theology from? I think he gets it from the Old Testament. I know he gets it from the Old Testament because he was a trained Jew and he knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. In the Old Testament, Solomon built the temple. The temple was the place where the Jews would meet, where God would be. And the reason Solomon built it, if you remember about the Old Testament from Sunday school, was David was, was a man of war and he had too much blood on his hands. He wanted to build it, but God said, no, your son's gonna build it. So Solomon builds the temple when the, when the temple is finally finished, God comes to Solomon and speaks to him in an audible voice. This doesn't happen many times, okay? So we gotta, it only happened one other time in Solomon's life. And I want you to read, I want you to hear the words that God spoke to Solomon audibly. Listen to this. At times, Solomon, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, so there, there'll be a drought. Or I might command the grasshoppers to devour all the crops, Or, Solomon, I might send plagues among you. I don't know, like COVID-19 or something like that. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and say it with me and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. Where does Paul get this theology that the quality of your life in in the nation that you live determines upon your prayers? He gets it from the Old Testament. See, our focus, and, and, and I'll be the first one to admit it, I'm guilty. The focus is we got to get the right leader. we got to get the right leader. we got to get the right leader. If nobody else will do it, I'll do it. I'll be the right leader, right? That's the focus. And we talk more about our leaders than we do pray for our leaders. Maybe the quality of our life right now is due less to the quality of our leaders and more to the quality of our prayers. What do you think about that? There's a slow clap. We're not sure. We're not sure. So my life, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to pray, God, help, help him. Whoever him is, whoever her is. I want to live a peaceful and quiet life marked by godliness and dignity. I want that. But maybe it's the wickedness in our nation. I talked a couple weeks ago during the sex talk. That was fun. Remember the sex talk? Our nation is plagued with pornography, absolutely addicted to pornography, sexual immorality, running rampant all over this area. Wickedness, sinful lust. I mean, that's just one specific area. Little girls, little boys being kidnapped and stolen and, and put into the sex slave trade, which is billions and billions and billions worldwide. America taking some of the, a big chunk of that cost. And we want good leaders? We want peaceful and quiet lives when we're, when we're just living out 
lust-filled, angry-filled, violent lives, sometimes I just feel like we get the leaders we deserve. You ever feel that way? We all want great leaders, but we're unwilling as a people to seek after God and live righteously and to pray. God says, if you'll humble yourself, if you'll turn from your wicked ways, if you'll pray, I will hear hear from heaven, I will hear your land, I will forgive your sins, and I will restore things for you. What have I said today? I've said quite a lot, and maybe it's helped, maybe it hasn't. It's helped me for sure. There's a lot of anxiety out there today. There's a lot of fear-mongering, a lot of people throwing fear out there to try to scare you, and it works, and I'm done with it. I'm done with it, done with fear. I'm not, I'm done, because here's the deal. I live in the kingdom of God. That kingdom will last forever. My first allegiance is to get to God's kingdom. That unseen reality that will one day become a seen reality that will last forever. I will live there, and if you're a Christ follower, you will live there. So whatever happens to the United States is important, but it's not that important, yes? I'm, 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 I'm all about that right now. And I'm trusting God that whoever's in charge, God has put him there. I'm not gonna lose my platform for the most important message, which, which is reconciliation. God speaking through me, come back to Jesus. And I'm just gonna pray. And I encourage you to take some of those thoughts and think about them. And, 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 and if you agree with them, and if they'll work to, to, to suppress some of the anxiety of frustration or anger or, or, or fear, then, then absorb them into your mind, absorb them into your heart. I hope this has been helpful to you today. As we close, I wanna go back to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He said, we're ambassadors as though God was speaking through us. Our message is simple, it's one of reconciliation. Come back to God. In verse 19, he puts it like this. We are, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the message. If you're watching today and you're not a Christ follower, please pay attention, this is for you. God loved you so much that he sent Christ to this world to die on a cross. And the significance of his death on the cross is monumental because what happened on that cross is that your sin and my sin and the sin of the whole world was transferred to his body when he was hanging on the cross. He became on that cross every murder, every lie, every adultery, every bit of deceit, every bit of manipulation, hatred, anger, every rape. On that cross, Christ became sin for you and I. He paid the debt. Why? So that your sins would no longer be counted against you. What an incredible idea. Like someone's gonna pay for sin. God is completely just. In other words, he will not overlook injustice. He will not sweep sin under the carpet. And you and I have sin in our lives. Someone has to deal with that. Somehow we gotta deal with sin. God in his mercy and in his love says, I've dealt with it. I've dealt with it. Because I love you, I've transferred all of your sin to my son. He paid the price, which is death, so that you could be forgiven and go free. That is called the gospel. That is called the good news. Oh, I hope and pray that you will choose to opt in on that. Step into the forgiveness of God. Step into the grace of God. Receive his mercy. Let him wash your soul from your sin. If you feel that right now, if you sense that, if something has clicked in your mind, whatever campus you're at, wherever you're watching online, here at Greenwood, step into this moment. Step into the kingdom of God and ask God, ask Jesus to wash you of your sin and be your savior. I'm gonna say a simple prayer. Take these words, make them your own.
in this holy moment designed just for you. Would you pray these words? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for paying the debt that I owed. Thank you for paying the penalty for my sin. Would you wash me today? Forgive me, cleanse me from my sin. I believe in you, I place my trust in you. Make me your child today. And from this day forward, teach me to live in your kingdom, that unseen reality where there is joy and peace, purpose and meaning. Teach me to follow you and to bring other people in. I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Can we give God glory, church, amen? Amen, give him glory, come on, nice and loud. You know, when I made that decision to put my faith in Christ, I had uh, some people in my life that gave me some instructions. They gave me a Bible. They told me to get involved in a church. I was so thankful for that. I took their advice. I began reading and I got connected to a church. And that's what this is right here. If you just prayed that prayer, the Bible says that you've been saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we wanna put one of these boxes in your hand, whatever campus you're at, if you're watching online here at Greenwood, if you prayed that prayer, would you text the word SAVED to 65248? Almost a thousand people have texted that word to, six, uh, to 65248 just in 2020 this year. Amen. And if you did that this weekend, text that. Inside there's a Bible, there's a little mug, and uh, we want to put that in your hands. God has been so good. He's doing amazing things. Man, I hope, I hope that today you felt some of the anxiety, some of the fear kind of lowered. Have you felt it? That's, that has been my prayer. Have you felt it kind of relax a little bit? In the next 10 days, in the next 10 days, 11 days, don't lose your influence. Trust God and pray. Remember your first allegiance. And let these ideas permeate in your heart. You'll notice, you'll notice the peace of God flood your heart. I love you guys. Right now we're gonna hand things off to all of our local teams. They will dismiss you. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend.